Hello, I'm Miss Melvin Genzi coming to you from the internet. Today, I will be telling you all a societal horror story. Or, as others may call it, an urban horror story. Part 1. A girl named Mandy sits in her small apartment in Sweetwater, Indiana. She is in her bedroom, sitting on a rolling chair, and gets up. I can't believe him. I'm late again, Manny says. It's 8.19. She waits by her bedroom door with the rifle and waits for her brother to come in the house. Mandy flips her dark brown hair back with one of her hands. She sees him sneaking down the hallway. He arrives at the door and runs inside the apartment. Mandy looks at the ceiling and sees a blue light flashing on and off repeatedly. She turns around and her face quickly turns to a somber expression. She whispers to her brother that he needs to get into his bed immediately. He runs to get ready for bed. And she hides the rifle under a floorboard. A man starts noticeably walking around on the floor above them. Mandy looks at the ceiling and hears the man walking. By each second, he walks faster and faster until it turns into a run. Her heart begins to beat. Mandy wipes her red shot eyes and blinks a few times until the landlord arrives at their door. The large guy has a short graying beard, piercing green eyes, and fleshy white skin. He begins to slowly walk towards Mandy and she can hear the broken buckles on his boots drag on the floor. He has to be about six foot seven and bends down to talk to Mandy. What was that sound? He says. Mandy sniffles her nose and holds back her watering eyes. Mr. Blue Blood, I'm not sure what you're talking about, she replies. Mr. Blue Blood looks around the room and walks towards the room that Mandy's brother is in. How long has he been asleep? He asks. Mandy looks at her brother, starting to shake under the covers. She doesn't reply. The landlord pulls a glass bottle from out of his pocket and breaks it over the kitchen table. He slides it on Mandy's lush, dark brown cheek and yells, Answer me! She replies. He's been asleep for a few hours now. The landlord slams the bottle onto the ground and watches it spread onto the kitchen floor. That wasn't so hard, was it? Wouldn't want you two to miss curfew, he says. You don't know, you know what happened the last time you missed curfew. It'll be just you and me again. And it seems like you want that. He slides his finger over her shoulder and strokes her hair. She pulls away and flinches.
He pushes her onto the couch and walks towards the door. He looks back at Mandy. And clean that glass up. Wouldn't want to add that to your deposit. Mandy waits until Mr. Blueblood leaves the apartment and locks the front door windows. She sits on the living room couch and falls asleep. The next morning, Mandy and her brother Malik sign out of the apartment and drive to the market to pick up groceries. Then they, then they walk to the library and sit at a table. Mandy looks at Malik. Mandy, can I go get a book? He says. Yes, that's fine. Just make sure that if you check it out, to put it at the bottom of my book bag, Mandy replies. Mandy waits until Malik leaves and looks at the tattoo on her arm. 1999, she whispers, and looks at the sky. Malik returns moments later with a book. You're reading the Bible? Mandy asks. Yes. I am reading a story about someone named Judas, he replies. Yes, I have heard about the... A five-foot-seven woman walks up to Mandy and Malik. Hi, the lady says. Hello. The lady places her left hand through her blonde hair and sits down with them. I'm Karen. I'm new to town, and do you all know a place that I could stay? I literally have nowhere else to go on a dreamcatcher maker's salary, Karen says. Well, we, Malik says. Mandy covers his mouth and replies to Karen. We live in a place. We should actually get going, Mandy says. Mandy takes Malik by the arm and starts to walk off. Karen begins to sob on the library table. I just don't know what to do. I feel horrible. I'm on my own for the first time. I literally have nowhere to go. And almost no money, Karen says. Andy, Mandy looks into her watery eyes and starts to feel bad for Karen. She sits back down and pulls her sleeve back down. Malik joins her. Listen, we know a place if you're interested, Mandy says. It's an apartment complex in a small town in Indiana, the landlord makes you sign some kind of contract. It has a lot of rules in there. Once you sign it, you have to stay for five years, clean his penthouse, go get his groceries, and do the chores that his apartment requires. Karen starts to look up at Mandy and stop sobbing. Is that a lot of work? Karen asks. Hey, you have to do what you have to do, Mandy replies. Karen stops crying and looks at Malik and Mandy. Mandy puts the Bible at the bottom of her book bag. Our time is almost up on our contract. We have one day, Mandy says. Just be careful. As soon as you sign the contract, Mr. Blueblood will put you to work. Karen sits and thinks about the opportunity for a moment. Please take me there, 
I have no choice, Karen says. Mandy, Malik, and Karen leave the library with Mr. Bluebloods' groceries. The trio arrives at the apartment complex's front door. Mandy leaves Karen at the door. We'll be right back, Mandy says. Karen nods and waits by the door with her suitcase. Mandy walks down the sidewalk with Malik. She turns around and turns Malik with her. Do you have it? Mandy asks. Yeah. Malik checks his pockets. I know. I can't believe I keep leaving it at the house. Mandy looks at Malik with an igniting red color in her eyes. Malik, I keep telling you that you should not leave the money at home. Mandy whispers with quiet anger. All you have to do is keep our bus money on you at all times. I have our passports, IDs, and some food at the bottom of this bag and some money just in case. You're 17 now. You need to keep our bus fare. It won't fit in my bag. Remember, we escaped tonight. Malik looks at the gray stained sidewalk, then back at Mandy. You're right. I'm sorry. I do need to keep our bus money, he says. The siblings walk back to Karen and ring the front door buzzer. Mr. Blueblood answers. The landlord coughs and begins to speak gruffly. What do y'all want? He asks. We're here to come in and we have the groceries for the week. We also have a new potential resident, Mandy says. Mr. Blue Blood rolls his eyes and turns off his camera to keep the microphone on. Y'all are back late. It's 2.13 p.m. on a Saturday. You all are supposed to be here at 2 o'clock. Malik speaks into the microphone. Sir, the bus showed up late, Malik says. Mr. Blue Blood walks from his room and opens the front gates. Mandy takes her arm and places Malik behind her. He begins to freeze in the presence of the landlord. Karen notices her Mr. Blue Blood walking. Mandy notices something off about him. Something just didn't feel right. The landlord gestures Mandy and Malik to go to their apartment, and they leave. Mr. Blue Blood waits until they leave. He walks up to Karen, places his hand out to her. Mr. Blue Blood is smiling from ear to ear. Hi! Welcome to the neighborhood! Mandy says that you're in need for an apartment, he says. Karen takes, takes a big gulp in her throat and shakes his hand. He kisses it and lets her go. He takes her bags to his apartment office on the first floor. Karen follows him. When she walks in his office, her arm begins to thick. She sees rifles, animal heads, and a chalkboard filled with check marks. She sits down at his office chair and looks around his office some more. As Mr. Blueblood is walking, she sees a red stain on the corner of his desk that is quickly covered by her suitcase. The landlord sits down and they begin to talk. Mandy and Malik arrive at Mr. Blueblood's floor and begin to separate his groceries and put them away. Mandy, Malik says, what's wrong? Mandy asks, what's going to happen next? I didn't mean to make us late by going to the library, he says and begins to tear up. Mandy crosses the kitchen and strokes Malik's hair. He begins to hug his sister. It's okay. I'll deal with him. It's not your fault, she says. 
Malik begins to tear up more, and then he quickly wipes his eyes and smiles at him. She turns around, and as she starts to pick up the groceries, her face quickly turns to somber. It'll be okay. I'll take care of it, Mandy says. They begin to quickly put up the groceries. Mandy places some mushrooms, apples, and many water bottles in her book bag. Mr. Blue Blood arrives and sits on his couch. He looks at Mandy and then Malik. Malik, leave, he commands. Malik squints at Mr. Blue Blood. He looks at Mandy and she nods. Malik leaves. Mr. Blue Blood walks up to Mandy. Where were you two? He asks. We went out, got the groceries, and returned home, she replies. Why were you too late, he says. Mr. Blue Blood begins to go into a toolbox located beside his couch. Mandy puts up the groceries faster. The bus was late, she says. The landlord squints and feels on a chain in his toolbox. By the sound of him feeling on the chain, you can hear the rust back and forth, back and forth. Mandy is turned around and starts to put away the beers. Mr. Blue Blood begins to snap his chain onto the ground. Why were you late? Mr. Blue Blood asks once again in an aggressive tone. Mandy starts to put away and reach for his cleaning products and put under his kitchen sink. He slams the chain once again and Mandy stutters. She receives, she reaches for another cleaning spray and he drags the chain. Mandy reaches for another product but moves onto the side. Midway into her reaching for another product, she moves to the side. Midway for her reaching for another product, Mr. Blueba swings his chain and breaks her wrist with it. She begins to scream in a voice in a boisterous volume. Her eyes begin to water a lot. And that is the end of part one of my urban slash societal horror story. I wrote that myself and I hope you guys really enjoyed the the part one of the story. And come back for next week. This has been Miss Marilyn Gen Z signing off. <laughs>